Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, guys, it is another episode of the Believe in Padres Prospects podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. San Diego's number one sports podcast network. Wait, do you like how in the show notes that I, I typed in record so we don't have any more problems? That was such a bummer. What, what was that, a week ago, two weeks ago? <laughs> it's the lost show. <laughs> we were recording for like two hours. That's not true. It was 40 minutes maybe? No, that one was a long one. No, it wasn't. Anyway, it's the lost episode and we're never going to see its light again. It wasn't that good an episode to begin with, so I'm not broken up about it. Any episode I'm on is a great one. It's been fewer and fewer the longer this pandemic goes. This, uh, yeah, quarantine. I haven't left the house. So somehow you've been working more. You seem busier than usual. I don't really want to talk about it. It's, uh, I guess you could say it's good that I'm an essential biz right now. Are you, what, what isolation movie would you compare your life to right now? I'm thinking like Andy Dufresne, where you're like in your cell at night carving behind the poster of Raquel Welsh. Is that accurate? Or is there something else that you think of? I mean, what other isolation movies are there? Any, any kind of prison movie. I, th- I mean, the only isolation movie you can, you can think of is prison movies. That's the closest thing we have right now. House I'd say it's, it's more like uh, the Goodfellas prison where I just make pasta all the time. You and <laughs> you're in the giant cell with a few other guys and you're just like cooking up lobsters and steaks. Yeah, exactly. Bringing in wine. Right. <laughs> That makes sense. And you're drinking wine right now. What's the wine on the list today? Uh, we got we joined a wine mailing list for uh, this uh, this uh, pandemic. God, mailing lists have to be making the most money they ever made right now. Oh yeah, I mean it just gets mailed right to our door, so it's great. And trying some wines I've never tried before. So what? Yeah. What are we drinking today? Menetau Salon from uh, the Cherrier Brothers in uh, France. God, your pronunciation was spectacular. Thank you. You've clearly been to France before. I unfortunately have. What'd you think? I was not a fan. <laughs> um, let's just do on today's show. So on today's show, Wade, as you know, we are going over our all bust team. So there haven't been a lot of positive topics to talk about on a pottery show, but that's life as a pottery fan. Not everything. Very few things are positive in our history. So We've reca- we're recapping with Tommy Morris. There, we're starting um, a series, I guess, with some of the worst losses in Padres history, and those happen to be just the most important games in Padres history. And we're creating lists uh, today of our all-time biggest prospect busts in Padres history. And we're gonna, I will say uh, that uh, in doing research for all the shows that I've been on, this was the easiest to research, <laughs> which is uh, pretty sad. <laughs> I told you that before the show. You're like, you didn't. <laughs> think you had enough time i was like wait this is not that hard <laughs> um so we're gonna go back in time just a little bit not too far a lot of these guys are pretty recent and we're gonna go over our starting nine and i, I filled in a few pitchers pitchers was surprisingly deep so i threw out a few pitchers and um we're gonna go over how sad it was how sad it is and uh the answer is very very sad but before we do all that um i had some actual news that came out, I think it was yesterday. Jeff Passan was reporting that baseball Last is night, talking. Yeah. 
it was last night. Yeah. It's hard to tell what news is actually news and what's like, cause I'm, when I'm, when I'm watching ESPN, like, like right now on ESPN, I'm watching Cal Ripken take a, the longest victory lap in the history of victory laps over just showing up the most times in a row. That's somehow a big deal. And he's had a standing ovation for 20 minutes. Um, Wasn't there something sketchy about that too? Like they canceled a game even though it shouldn't have been canceled because he was going to be out or something. I'd have to look deeper into that. I'm not sure. But that that wouldn't surprise me. Isn't this the the most, isn't this the ultimate like participation award trophy that we could possibly give someone? Hey, you showed up the most times. And they complain about millennials, you know? (laughs) This is the, this is the quintessential like participation trophy. That's my calorie. That's going to be the most unpopular take I've ever had. Actually, no, I've got two more unpopular ones. One, the office is overrated. And two, Vince Scully was not that good of an announcer. Ouch. Those are my hottest takes. Those are two terrible takes. Yeah. And you're the, you're the only one, you're not the only one that says that everyone else I've talked to, um, especially the Dodger fans in my life. I get into big fights with, but anyway, the sports There's star nothing better than listening to Vin Scully on like a Sunday afternoon to just take a nap, you know? Yeah, that's what it's. He's great at that. Just putting you to sleep when you turn the game on. <laughs> well said, Wade. Um, so we're doing this interview via Skype right now, and I'm getting the weirdest. I just got a message on Skype from a random person. I don't know. that just said hi. And uh, I don't know. I do a lot of interviews on Skype. So I'm like, do I actually know you? Like, what? who is this? And she's like, no, I'm just looking for new friends. What do I do about this, Wade? You obviously don't have Instagram. This happens every day on Instagram. There's a uh, <laughs> bot that are trying to get money from you. But on Skype? Yeah. Just saying, what's up? I, I'm looking for a new friend. That, that happens um, on Instagram. It's some dude in Estonia has found your Skype and is sending you messages. Yeah. Well, I'll have to be careful about that then. She's she's a pretty attractive young girl. I'm surprised. <laughs> I don't no, know. Why no would... way. Yeah, I think I think I'm special. <laughs> um, so MLB and Jeff Passan is reporting that MLB wants to try to start playing sometime in May. Doesn't that seem super aggressive? First of all, yes, um, and not realistic. So they're talking about trying to play in May and restricting all the games to the greater Phoenix area and playing with no fans and lots of other little stipulations that we're going to get into in a minute. Um, I thought they were only playing at Diamondback Stadium, that they were practicing at their spring training, but only games were at Diamondback Stadium. Did you hear that? That's what I read on Twitter. Okay, well, I I didn't get that part of it. I was just thinking greater Phoenix, like, okay, there's a lot of spring training ballparks there. That makes sense. You can't do all the fucking games in one place. There's 30 teams. Well, they said they'd have like three or four games a day. There's 30. You have 15 games a day that you have to fill. That's what I heard. And I was like, how is this going to work? You know, didn't really make sense. Didn't enter my mind that they would be doing that at one (laughs) stadium because 30 teams means if you had everyone play, that's 15 games a day. Let's say you have a few teams that are off. That's normal. Like maybe you have 10 to 12 games a day. You still can't do that all in one ballpark. That's there's no chance. But they were like, because it's indoors, you know, you're not like the outside elements. I don't know. That's there's no time in the day to do it. You can't do it. The game takes three hours to play. And they were going to play like double header, seven inning games. They were, it, they're not playing full games. It doesn't, it doesn't help. There's no, there's not enough time to do that many games. Um, but that, I mean, what I was going to talk to you about was doing this at the spring training stadiums. 
But also, as you know, in the middle of summer in Arizona, you can't play during the day. They have the Arizona League, which is for, for rookies, basically. And all those games are at night mandatory because you literally cannot play in the day. It's too hot. And even at night, the games are 95 degrees. So I mean, that but if they're just playing in May, it's not that hot. Oh, you think they're going to, I thought this was going to be for the whole season. You think just May. Oh, I thought it was just to like start the season. Yeah. Until Maybe like I misunderstood. I didn't read too I think much. I'm not like going to read start the season so that they can get games in. And then like when everything comes back to normal, they'll like actually go back to the parks. The whole season's not going to be in Phoenix. Okay. I thought maybe they were going to do the whole season, but that even make, then why aren't you not using the spring training stadiums then for, if it's just May, I don't understand that. That's why I thought it was just all going to be at the Diamondbacks and like, they're just getting some games in, you know, try to get like as many as possible, but they don't really care about getting the whole 162. I don't think it makes sense either way. Basically, is my point. It doesn't make any sense to have all the games in one location because you don't have time. And if if it's just May, like that's fine. Play them outside at the spring training complexes. But if it's longer than May, you can't do it because it's too hot. Here's an idea. Here's a hot take. Okay. Why wouldn't you just do like NL in Phoenix and AL in Tampa? They're both like indoor stadiums. Both have like spring training facilities nearby. Like split it up. Or just any dome like why can't any dome handle it because there's all the teams need their practice facilities yeah the problem with in in tampa though you're not the spring training parks and in florida are really spread out you couldn't get there and back in a day or like you could but it's a ton of driving touche arizona makes a lot of sense because you're next door everything's 20 minutes apart but tampa you could be you could be three hours away from the spring training complex I guess you're right. Um, do you see? So I guess, I don't know. Just, this this idea doesn't make a lot of sense to me. There's too many holes in it. And I don't know why we're trying to rush to start the season. When, like they threw out a bunch of dates too. Like May 15th, they were going to try to get it. If they started May 15th, they could get in 130 games. If they started June 1st, they could still do 115 games. If they started June 15th, you could still do 100 games. Why don't we just shoot for June 15th and just base your schedule around that? Fill everything out as much as you can in advance. Plan for June 15th. Do a 100-game season. Nice round yeah, number. Nice even round number. I like that. Yeah, it's a it's a shorter season, which I don't think anybody, even diehard baseball fans, I don't think would be too upset about. So I'd be <clears> really <throat> into a 100-game season. And I don't have to ha- – I would like baseball now. I get that baseball wants to be first. And that's kind of the only reason I think they're trying to do May is because they want to be first – they see Korea is starting up. They see China's trying to do basketball. Like of the major American sports, the, the, the league that does it first is going to have a huge boom in money because they're the only right. thing on TV. I mean, baseball kind of needs to be first, to be honest. Yeah, but are they going to... All the leagues, I think, are... I, I guess they're trying to work together because they had this meeting with Trump and someone's got to be first, but should it be the NBA? Should it be MLB? I don't, I don't know other than money. There's no other reason to do it. And I get that money is a big issue for these guys, especially, um, well, I was going to say, especially the NFL where they're, the players have shorter careers and they make less money, but, um, baseball, they're losing a lot of money too. And all the young guys who don't have their first contract signed or still playing on rookie deals, aren't making a ton of money yet. I, I, I would just be fine with them waiting until June. I don't have to have baseball right now. I think we should be more focused on public health than maybe sports. 
but I understand the the motivation and I'm, I guess I'm glad they're working on trying to get it started again. I mean, if you think about it, the minor leaguers, can they go on unemployment right now? If they're on unemployment, they're making more money than they would in the minors. I would assume. Yeah. And I bet a lot of them are, and they're, they're probably getting all part-time jobs, but it's really hard to train, I guess. When you, Who's when you getting part-time other, jobs right now? My, the, those Dominican minor leaguers that came over and they're 18 years old and don't even have a, like any experience in the United States. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, anybody in the country who's getting a part-time job right now. For that too, yeah. I don't know. Apparently, some, someone's getting a part-time. I, I know companies are still hiring. It's just, I don't know how. I haven't looked into that yet, I guess. Uber Eats drivers? Yeah. Big demand for that right now. Yeah. Dropping off your wine boxes to your to Wade's house. Exactly. Somebody's got to do it. All right, Wade, you want to do the bet online ad? While you're waiting this out at home with us, you can still have some fun betting at betonline.ag. With no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. But Bet Online still has hundreds of places to wager, including their online casino with poker and blackjack. And sports aren't totally done. There's still Mixed Martial Arts, American Idol, The Elections, The Spelling Bee, which is not happening. Yeah, Spelling Bee is still in the copy for some reason. No Spelling Bee. Their uh, $750,000 poker series. There's still fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. That's MYPOD100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online. The fun never ends. I never heard of half of these guys, and the ones I do know are way past the prime. Most of these guys never had a prime. This guy here is dead. We are doing our all-time Padres prospects bust team. Do you want to start? We'll go one at a time here. We'll we'll start with catcher and work our way around the diamond and finish with starting pitcher. I didn't do relief pitcher. Yeah, I just did a couple pitchers. I don't I don't have any relief pitchers. I was yeah, I was doing we were I was probably only going to do one pitcher and then going through the the list of bus pitchers. There were a few that I had to include. So I did three and then we don't need reliever doesn't make any sense. Um, There's no bust relief prospects. Yeah, so. Let's let's start with catcher. Who'd you have a catcher? Um, I have a pretty obvious choice here, and that would be Ben Davis. I think that's kind of the only one we could have chosen. There aren't the catcher was a thin position to choose from, just because in general in the prospect community there aren't a ton of top catcher prospects. Or I guess this year there's a few, but to be team specific, um, the only Padre prospects that I remember being catchers like significant prospects the last few years are Austin Hedges, who was a top prospect, um, second round draft pick and Luis Campusano, who's still in the minors is a second round prospect. Those guys were both top prospects in baseball, both top 50 at one point. And other than that, we were looking back in time, not a lot of top prospects, but Ben Davis, number two pick overall, 1995. Um, what, what was it about him that did you think of him just immediately? Is he the only guy that would you even considered? I just remember being a kid and being like, oh, like this is our next best catcher. And he had like the coolest like Nike catching gear. I thought he was like going to be the best player ever. And then he just never really did anything besides bunt. He came up. Uh, we talked about him um, in, the, in the 98. Oh, wow. I can't even spit it out. The 98 team where he got one at bat that year. Is that right? 
Or was I talking to Tommy about that? You were talking to Tommy about that. I listened, but I don't remember how many at-bats he had. You listened. I'm, I'm impressed. So yeah. He, what, yeah, he was on the 98 team for one game, got one at-bat. Uh, don't know what he did exactly. Didn't get a hit, though. But um, really quick career in the minors. And then came up with the Padres. And he was, yeah, he was supposed to be this hot shot kid. Uh, the only thing that I remember him doing was getting the bunt base hit off of Kurt Schilling that broke Bob Brenly's heart and cost the Diamondbacks that no, that no hitter. Yeah. That chicken shit bunt. What year was that? 2002, 2003. I don't remember. No, he was on the, he was on the Mariners by 2002. Um, it must've been 2000, 2001, maybe 2001. He got a significant number of plate appearances, um, hit 11 home runs, hit 239. 337 OBP and that's his best year. Other than that, he really didn't play at all. And I think that's kind of the reason why he was the biggest bust. Number two overall pick, even as a catcher, he only played four years with the Padres. One of those years was for one at bat. So, you know, so three years, um, never played in more than 138 games. That was his high. And then the next year he was gone. Yeah. Career with the Mariners didn't do much else either. Pretty big bust. And then just and then just disappeared into the sunset before he even turned 28. To be out of the league before 28 is a is a top prospect. Even coming out of high school, made the majors in three years. Um, yeah, the, no no other option here. I think other than Ben Davis for catcher. That's a that's a pretty big bust in Potter's history. I was talking to my dad today a little about this, and he had uh, one. He's other probably thing. a great resource. He probably knows a lot more about the old timey bust than we do. Yeah, he had one take at catcher. He said this guy played like third catcher, second. They kind of put him everywhere. Um, and that's the 1972 number one overall pick, which is <laughs> Dave Roberts. Dave uh, Roberts, huh? Dave Roberts. 1972? Yeah, not the Dodgers manager, Dave Roberts, but the 1972 number one draft pick, Dave Roberts, straight out of the University of Oregon. Went, Oregon guy. Went straight to the majors. Um from being in college. Didn't play one minor league game. He's Mark the only, Grant did that too. He's only the sixth player to ever do that in did 1972. Mark Grant do that? Well, the, I don't think Mark Grant was 1972. What do you mean? Oh, you mean in that, in that year? Like he was the sixth player to ever do it. Oh, at the time. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the Padres draft history right now. Number one picks. And it's hilarious. They came, they came into the league in 1969 Nice. 1970, they had the number one pick. 71, they had the number two pick. 72, you're uh, Dave Roberts out of Oregon, number one pick. 73, Dave Winfield, Minnesota guy, number four pick. 74, they had the number one pick. 75, they they were picking the number two pick. They were picking top four for like one, two, three, four, five, six, six straight years. Yeah. I'm just Good time. Uh, wanted to hammer that home because it shows, shows how terrible <laughs> they were. For those, they were god-awful those first few years. One of the Padres teams is like one of the worst teams of all time, right? And it's like, I think around 19... I think it might have like been 19, that 70 team. Yeah, yeah. Like one of those teams is one of the worst teams of all time. Not surprising. For this uh, all-bust team, I think Dave Roberts was the only pre my birth player on, on my, on my team. 
and our our lists are gonna be pretty subjective. Like we don't, we're not going too far back in the machine because first of all, prospect data from back then and just going off, you can go off the draft, but going off of prospect data is a lot harder. And I don't think a lot of these major core, uh, websites existed yet and ranked players as they do today. So I think almost all of our prospects are from 1990 on, which I mean, makes sense because we know a lot more about prospects at that time and the ranking, there's more rankings and more ranking information. And so I think pretty much everybody, um, even though the Potters are picking at the top of the draft every year in the seventies, we're kind of focused on the nineties where like in the seventies and eighties drafting was more of a crapshoot, even though it is, it's still a, considered a huge crapshoot today, but back then it was, you know, it, it wasn't the science that it is today. Agreed. So with that said, Wade, who do you have at first base? Not a lot of options at first base either. Um, I mean, yeah, this was the hardest position I think I had researching. There was really only one option, uh, and that was Alan Dykstra. Not related to Lenny Dykstra, by the way. No, it's a good good thing to add there. Alan Dykstra, 2008 draft. He's my guy, too, at first base. Um, I think he must have overlapped with Antonelli, friend of the show, at some point, didn't he? I would assume so, yeah. I remember being in college when he got drafted. So we were, I was a, I think, uh, was I a junior sophomore? Maybe, um, he's an RB guy. I didn't, I didn't realize that at the time. Really? He went to, uh, he's a Bronco. RB Bronco went to wake forest, big kid really never amounted to anything, unfortunately. So he went first round 23rd overall in 2008 started right away at, Lake Elsinore, you know, it's right after the draft. So only got a few games in and then 2009, they sent him to Fort Wayne, low a hit 226. The next year they had him play all season at Lake Elsinore. He had 241. And that was the last time we saw him as a Padre. They, they got him out of there after that. He was the highest. I mean, he was ranked. The only problem with having him as the first baseman is the highest ranking he ever had in the organization. According to baseball America, was the number eight prospect on the team. And then he kind of quickly deteriorated. That was the last time he was ranked because then um, seeing how he performed in the minors, not good. And then he went to New York and he got his first taste in the majors in Tampa Bay in 2015 as a 28 year old, only hit 129, played independent ball the next year. And then, you know, he's out of baseball. So out of baseball before 30, only three years with the Padres. And he was pretty bad for all those years. That's uh, two two players in a row out of uh, baseball before 30. Yeah, that might be a trend. <laughs> I would say so. Let's, uh, let me close one of my 100 tabs that are open right now. It happens quickly. I mean, other than Alan Dykstra, like you said, there's not many other people. I'm surprised you didn't throw your boy Eric Hosmer under the bus there, though. <laughs> I, I did consider Hosmer. But the $25 million man, I think he's only making $20 million this year, actually. Um, and then his salary drops off in a couple of years. But yeah, Eric Osmer, I think the most hated first baseman in Padres history. Is that safe to say? Yeah. And also the biggest bust in general. Maybe not prospect bust, but definitely the biggest bust in Padres history is Eric Osmer. Can't argue with you there. Um, let's get to second base. Wade, did you have any... 
Was second base easier for you too? Because I thought second base was also pretty easy. We've got the same team so far. Um, second base, I went with Josh Barfield. Oh, we differed. I thought you had the same guy as me here. I just assumed. No. Okay, so tell me about Josh Barfield. I didn't really look up stats. I just remember <laughs> being super pumped on Josh Barfield. I remember, what was it, like 2008? He was like my favorite player on the team, and uh, he didn't last very long. Well, I remember liking Josh Barfield, too, and he was a good little player. I didn't understand why the Padres gave up on him so quickly, because going through his uh, his Baseball America page, so he wasn't a top top draft pick, but... It was fourth round. Yeah, that's not bad. And he he had he was the number one Padre prospect for two years in a row. Right. He was our number one prospect. So there was a lot of talk about him. Yeah. And he came up and was pretty good. His first taste of Major League Baseball came in 2006. He hit 280 with 13 home runs and 21 stolen bases. That's a that's a good little year. Right. And played a good second base. And they traded him to Cleveland in that deal for Kevin Kuzminoff. Ugh, Kuzminoff. That's another bust. So they gave up on Barfield really quickly, got Kuzminoff, and then Kuzminoff turned to be a pretty big bust in his own right. But as, as a trade chip, he came over, and I don't think he played any time in the minors. I think he just went straight to the Padres and was terrible from day one. So he's the 2008 Luis Urias. Whoa, why are you coming at Luis? Luis? Actually, yeah, that's a pretty good goal. <laughs> Thank you. The, the highly touted, although Josh had a good first year, Luis had a pretty bad first year. True. That's the only difference. But uh, uh, so I went with. Are you going to go friend of the program here? I went friend of the program, Matt Antonelli uh, from Peabody, Mass. St. John's Prep, Danvers, Massachusetts. Wake Forest. So Antonelli, unfortunately, he was a number one pick. He went 17th overall in 2006. And we talked to him on the show. If you haven't heard that episode, I encourage you to go back and look it up. Good um, guy. Really, He's a really fun guy and, and knew that he didn't quite live up to expectations. So he, he was very self-aware. Hit one home run in his entire major league career. Did it with the Padres, fortunately. Didn't play first any... First off, it, Greg Maddox. The cool stat, I remember. Yeah, his first major league hit off of Greg Maddox. That's pretty good. Had a really good minor league career. Like, I thought he was going to be a second baseman that flirted around 280 to 300. Good hit tool. Not a ton of power, but could get on base and play a solid second. Um, but it just never came together. That was who he was in the minors. And when he got to the majors in San Diego, he got 21 games, hit one home run, and hit 193. That sounds a lot like Anthony Rizzo's first taste with the Padres. Oh, he could have been a bust for the Padres. Well, he went on to be an all-star with the Cubs. True. So I don't, think, I don't think you can call him a bust. Fortunately... Uh, unfortunately, Rizzo went on to have a great career and Antonelli um, got sent to, it looks like Washington and bat around there for a little bit and then was out of baseball before 30 also. Yeah. Uh, so, so you, so far you have a whole uh, demon Deacon right side of the infield. Yeah, I am. I'm very against drafting any future Wake Forest players. I don't think we Not can either. get Wake Forest guys anymore. No, ma. Noma? What? Noma was a demon deacon. Was he? Yeah. Or was he Georgia Tech? He's one of the two. I always get those two schools mixed I up. I think it's Georgia Tech. Like, same colors. They're very confusing. Same colors? What are you trying to say? Whoa. Yeah, he went to Georgia Tech. Noma. Nice. 
The only other guy I remember going to Georgia Tech, this is such a random baseball nugget, but Jay Payton. I don't know why I remember that. Oh, I do remember that. Former Padre great Jay Payton. I was thinking of Calvin Johnson when I think of Georgia Tech. That's a good one, too. Makes a lot more sense than Jay Payton. But <laughs> do you, uh, let's move on to shortstop. So, so far, we agree on everything except second base. Shortstop, I thought, was the easiest one, probably. Of all the easy ones this, there are. I mean, this is the easiest one in Padres history. <laughs> what is it? Everyone knows, everyone knows what we're going to say. San Diego, uh, born and raised, Mission Bay High product. That would be Matt Bush. Matt Bush, who had a second life as a relief pitcher with the Texas Rangers. After he killed somebody. Allegedly. No, didn't it wasn't it like confirmed he ran over somebody with a car? Did he go to jail? Yeah. I have a I have a he blank like, spot in my memory for this. I like thought he got was a, a DUI in Florida killing somebody. Oh well who doesn't get a DUI in Florida? I think you it's the rite of passage to live there. So what hurts the most about this was the the 2004 draft was the Potteries picked first. And at the time, nobody knew why they took Matt Bush. It was a weird pick at the time. This isn't just all hindsight. You remember that? Yeah. And then you remember who went second in that draft? Was it Verlander? It was Justin Verlander. Yeah. He's going to go down as one of the best pitchers of all time. Still playing. And then it was Weaver right after him, right? Uh, Philip Humber went next. And then Jared Weaver? No, Jared Weaver went 12. Really? He went yeah. that late? So, I mean, this draft was full of major league players. So, Philip Humber had some, some time in the majors. Homer Bailey went 7. Uh, Neil Walker went 11. Jared Weaver's there. Stephen Drew went 15. That was, that was a good pick. Middle rounds. Trevor Plouffe. Glenn Perkins. Phil Hughes. These are all first-rounders. Uh, Taylor Tankersley. And supplementals, we got Gio Gonzalez and Houston Street. Houston Street's not still in the league, right? No, I wouldn't think so. But taking Matt Bush number one in this draft with that kind of grouping, uh, that one really hurts. It was all to save money. Uh, that's, that's what I don't get because that's kind of been Preller's strategy so far in the first round, hasn't it? to save money and then spend it later. Or, I mean, that that's a little different than what it is now because he spends it in the second and third rounds, but saving money in the top first round has never made sense to me. And it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't four. And it doesn't make sense today. I mean, yeah. Having Verlander at the top of our rotation would have been some kind of nice changes. A lot of stuff though. It's a, the butterfly effect. Probably never get, you know, Fernando Tatis jr. Um, you know, because things all change, maybe, We'd never hire AJ Preller. Like, whole, it's a whole thing um, going back in time. But Matt, uh, Bush's, yeah. Matt Bush's minor league career, actually, I'm only getting his pitching numbers. I can't switch over to, to hitting numbers. But, yeah, it says 2008, 2009 didn't play. 12, 13, 14, 15 didn't play. Those look like the jail years. And then he, then he pops up again in Texas as a middle reliever and has a good second career as a reliever. Pitching in the – he had a, had a really good 2016 – as a 30-year-old, I remember that was his like coming out party. And then um, kind of only pitched a couple years after that and has been uh, – played in Frisco, double-A last year. He was still playing last year? He played last year, and who knows wow. what would have happened to him this year. But he was in the – I would imagine that he has a minor league roster spot somewhere. Interesting. 
I mean, that'll always go down as the worst pick in Padres history. So it was a no-brainer to put a put him on this list. I would agree with you, but we're going to challenge that <laughs> that first round pick. We're going to get to some guys that are just as questionable in a minute. So we agree on Matt Bush, 2004. Yep. All right, third base. Um, there's a couple candidates for third base, but I thought one. Well, actually, we're we get to our honorable mentions at the end of the show, but there were a few third basemen. But I think we agreed on who the biggest bust was. Who did you have? Uh, I had Newport Beach Little League's finest, Sean Burroughs. Yeah, this one was tough for me because I thought Sean Burroughs, I mean, draft, okay, first round pick, ninth overall, 1998. So there's a lot of expectations there. Was the number one prospect on the team, 2001 and 2000. Um, Baseball America, he, he got all the way up to the number six prospect in 2000 and the number four prospect overall in 2001. So mm-hmm. he was a top five prospect in baseball. That's those guys. If you're a top five prospect, you're, you're supposed to be like a perennial all-star. You're supposed to be a stud top 100 right. are all major league guys. You're supposed to be good, really good. If you're a top 100 guy, top five, you're cream of the crop. And he had a couple decent years. I think he got the first hit in Petco park history. Does that sound right to you? That is correct. Yes. <laughs> I was at that game. Were you just doing your, was that like a ladies man impression? Ladies man. For ladies man? That's some kind of nice. Who says that is correct? Who says that? Alex Trebek? No, but in the, in the <laughs> voice. <laughs> <laughs> Who says that is correct? Nothing. Uh, That's something. Sounds, That's kind something. Of like, sounds kind of Matthew McConaughey-esque. I thought it was ladies, man, but I could be wrong. Anyway, way off topic. Burroughs comes up in 2002. It's 271. Okay. He's not, he's not a power guy. He's, he plays th- a good third base. He's an average guy. But that was big. third base was terrible. I, I'll always remember him like triple pumping a grounder and then just like air mailing it over the over first. The old triple pump. That kind of reminds me you playing third base in softball. Wow. Uh, he could not make the throw to first base. I'll but always could, remember him for doing he that. He could hit, though. He hit 271, then he hit 286 in 2003, then he hit 298 in 2004. So we're calling a guy that hit 300 for a full season a bust. He was supposed to have all this power, and he's just like a little slapdick hitter at third base. Career high in home runs was seven. Yeah. The year he hit 300, seven, he hit, he hit two home runs. That seven year. home runs out of your third baseman. <laughs> It's like getting uh, 17 home runs from your first baseman, Eric Hosmer. Always got to take shots at Hosmer. If it's there, you take it. Um, <laughs> and it's always there. So he ended up playing a long time. He, he was in the minors until he was 32, played re- as recently as 2013, and then played in independent ball at Bridgeport 2014. He was still playing then? Like, dude, hang it up. He tore it up at Bridgeport. <laughs> Hit 344, Wade. One home run. <laughs> All that power. 73 games at one home he, run. I think he had more home runs in the Little League World Series than he did for his most in a season. Um, he would have, yeah, I, I, I would bet money that he absolutely did. <laughs> so it's hard to call a guy that hit 300 a, a bust, but he only played for the Padres four years. And 
and was go- and wasn't any good. Yeah, he couldn't play third and base. There was so much hype on him coming in as like yeah. fifth best prospect. Like he was supposed to be our future, and then he was just a nobody. I think it's fair. It, it's hard to call him a bust because he that, that one pretty good season. But yeah, it's I think it's absolutely justified that a guy with that much hype, you expect to get more than ten home runs over four seasons. Right. All right. We agree on that. Um, let's get into the outfield. You want to give out, you want to give out your first outfielder? Are we going position or just three outfielders? I did just three outfielders. Let them let them fly. Okay. I mean, the number one choice I think is pretty obvious. That would be Donovan Tate. Yeah, and that was the, I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to look up anyone to figure out that I wanted to have Donovan Tate on this list. So, my Donovan Tate memory is I was working at. I was doing an internship, summer internship with Fox Sports Radio in Sherman Oaks. And they took Donovan Tate, third overall, 2009. And I was thinking to myself, okay, that's kind of a weird pick because there were a lot of, I mean, the top of that draft that year, I remember being pretty loaded. And now in hindsight, it wasn't. The college player that year who went number two right before Tate was Dustin Ackley. He was supposed to be really good. Um, Steven Strasburg went number one, so there was nothing we could do about that. He was an easy number one. But then Zach Wheeler went number six, Mike Miner, seven, Mike Leak, eight. Um, there were some Mike good Leak, pitch. Fallbrook High. Cobra Kai? Fallbrook High, oh, San Fallbrook Diego. High. Maybe Cobra Kai too, I don't know. Could have been. I mean, he got uh, arrested for stealing clothes, shoplifting at like a Nordstrom or something. That's better than stealing crabs from Albertsons. True, Jameis. Shout out. So it was a it was a weird pick. So Donovan Tate, by the way, another Georgia guy, Georgia hotbed. What what was the issue with Tate? He was uh, like a drug abuser, or what was his biggest problem? Well, I remember at first they're like, "Oh, we're going to draft him, but he might go to North Carolina to play quarterback instead. Like uh-huh. he might not even come to play baseball." And then I think. I think it was drugs. I'm not 100% sure. He had, he had injury issues his whole career. Um, had and a sports hernia, broke his jaw. Some painkiller problems and uh, kind of went downhill from there. That might have been it. Um, just a ton of issues and then had issues with his personal life. Um, by personal life, I mean with his, his wife and his children. And um, got, his career, got his life together late in life. So that was happy to see. I think he went into rehab and has, has been a, an upstanding citizen sense, but had a real problem focusing on baseball back in the day. And is one of these guys that ended up just wasting all of his talent, unfortunately. Um, and his $6.25 million signing bonus in 2009. Um, he was out of baseball. I think he was trying to make a comeback with the Dodgers recently. Did you hear about that? He, he, uh, he went and played quarterback for the, uh, Arizona wildcats bared down. Did he is like a 30 year old. He was a backup, like, yeah, 26, 27-year-old quarterback. He went the BYU-Mormon route. Yeah. I went and probably partied it up, you know, over at uh, Dirtbags in Tucson. God, I hope not. Imagine that's your that's how you fall back into drugs. It's like you try to get your life together, you go back to school, you play football, and then it's a cocaine party on the campus of U of A. <laughs> then you find yourself standing in line at Dirtbags for two hours. <laughs> So Donovan Tate was a pretty easy one. Who else did you have? Outfielders, number two. I had Ruben Rivera. 
Ruben Rivera fondly remembered on this show. He, uh, we, me and Tommy talked about him during the 98 World Series as the guy that he'd come in and play for Greg Vaughn when Greg Vaughn was hurt in the NLCS. And then I was talking to Tommy about maybe getting Ruben some defensive replacement time in the outfield once you got up early in game one because Greg Vaughn was having trouble with his quad at the time. I guess it didn't matter because Chuck Knobloch and Tino Martinez fucked us. But um, yeah, Ruben Rivera always was a great defender, right? Was arguably a gold glove caliber center fielder. Yeah, and just could not hit a curveball. Pitchers would throw three curveballs in a row and he'd just strike out every time. Yeah, so he was the Serrano from Major League. Exactly, but wouldn't do any sacrifices. Bat, bat scared of curveball. Hit fastball very far. But yep. um, Yeah, I can't argue with Ruben Rivera. Ruben Rivera had a very bright future. Had a pretty long... Whoa, he went to the Mexican League late. He had an interesting... Jesus Christ, wait. He was playing in the Mexican League as recently as last year. Really? How old <laughs> is he right now? He's 45 age... Age 45 season. <laughs> he did a, he spent a lot of time in Mexico. He's been in Mexico since 2014. Just living life down there. Respect. Didn't have a very good year. But um played all over in the in the majors, came up with the Yankees, and then ended up with the Padres just for was it actually a good amount from t- 97 through 2000. Played with the Padres. Never hit, never got any significant playing time outside of one season um, 99 he got a lot of playing time and was terrible hit below the Mendoza line in 147 games 23 home runs 18 stolen bases is interesting for fantasy purposes but other than that uh, kind of a garbage career from this guy yeah it's too bad I went with Reimer Liriano and okay. I went with Reimer because he was peaking about the same time that I was getting into prospects. So that was around college, like 2007, 2008. I was playing in this really deep dynasty league where I, all of a sudden I had to start paying attention to prospects and we were drafting guys. And um, instead of doing homework, I would pay attention to prospects. And he got all the way up to number 49 overall on the 2011 Baseball America prospect lists. And he was number two in the Padres organization in 2011. And I thought he was going to be a real piece of this team going forward is like a guy you could build around hit for average, hit for power and stick him in left or right field where he's not going to kill you. He was, he was a good player. I thought, um, had a breakout in 2011 in Fort Wayne, hit 320, then hit 300 in Lake Elsinore. And then it kind of started to fall apart. Um, didn't play well in San Antonio the next year. Didn't play well in 2014. Started 2014, or I sorry, started 2015 red hot and then came up and didn't do anything. Hit 220 with one home run. I remember, do you remember him getting a brief cup of coffee with the Padres and just doing nothing and then get, got him out of here? Yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of the route we did with Urias and we talked about with Rizzo and we talked about with uh, some of these other guys. It seems like you give him one chance and then he's gone. And then he went to uh, Chicago and then he went to looks like Washington. And then he was out of the league by 28. Like a lot of these other guys. No, he's still in the league. He, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. His, this was the last year he played was last year. And he was he he's is, still, yeah, uh, fairly, currently signed by the Mariners. Fairly young too. He's like 29 years old. Yeah. So yeah, I went with Liriano just because 
for me, it was a personal choice when he was supposed to be this hotshot prospect. I was starting to pay attention to prospects. And then um, he was rated pretty highly. I mean, top 50 in Major League Baseball and then the number one in the organization. Really highly rated guy. I liked him a lot. I I, bat, I went to bat for this guy, no pun intended. And then he he let me down in a big way. So this one felt personal. Rhyme really right gotcha. There's probably other ones that you can consider for for outfielder that make more sense. And we've got some honorable mentions, like I said, we're going to talk at the end about. But this one was personal. As is the next one. And I'll, I'll just do the next one bef- before you say anything. It's Kyle Blanks for me. That was my guy too. Nice. So we agree again. Um, we agreed on Tate and Blanks and differed on uh, Liriano. But Blanks, not a highly touted prospect when he got drafted. He's a really late round pick in 2004. round. Yeah, 2004. But then he kind of emerged as, you know, he was went to Yavapai. Nice. Um Six foot six, two sixty five. Looks like a football player, and got pretty famous just because when he got up to plate, he was bigger than everybody else. Kind of like Aaron Judge is now. Yavapai College, uh, Wood Bat League down there in Arizona. Did you know that? Yavapai, the junior college, is they play Wood Bat. Wood Bat Junior College League in Arizona. I didn't know yeah. they played with Wood Bats. No. Yeah. Fun fact. Uh, Willie Calhoun went there too. It's a it's a really they put out some good players. Yeah. So the, the thing with Kyle Blanks is you, you could dream on his power. When he, he was younger, high A, double A, triple A, he was hitting bombs, 24 home runs, 20 home runs. And in the minors, that's really good because, you know, they play a shorter season. And you thought, uh, this guy is going to be our, like, I don't know, what Brian Giles should have been. You know, the, the, or the Ryan Klesko or the Phil Nevin. He's going to be the next guy that we plug in there. And is going to be the 30, 35, 40 homer guy um, that can tear it up in the middle of the order for like 10 years. And it, it never quite clicked for him. He was always, he, you see flashes of it. He hit home run, kind of like a, like a Willie Mo Pena kind of guy where like he would do just enough to keep you interested and hopeful. And then by the end of the year, it was another disappointing season in a, in a string of other bad seasons. Yeah, I mean, being the 2008 Padres Minor League Player of the Year, then got his uh, call up in 2009 or 2000. Yeah, 2009 when Cliff Floyd was placed on the disabled list. Uh, I don't remember Cliff Floyd being a Padre. Do you? They those guys uh, not not really. No, it must have been really quick. How long did he? Do you remember how long Cliff Floyd played? I have no idea. I remember he, uh, I remember Rondell White pretty vividly. I don't know why. Do you remember Rondell White? Yeah, loved Rondell White. I was a big Rondell White guy. Uh, Cliff Floyd I like too, but, oh, it looks like he played his last season in the league with the Padres. He, yeah, got hurt and then the Padres released him. He played 10 games. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why we don't remember Cliff Floyd on the Padres. Yeah. Yeah, too bad for Kyle Blanks go. What, what could have been, you know, like Kyle Blanks. A lot of potential, Aaron Judge-ish potential, and then it just kind of all falls apart. And he, he was a, he was ranked top fifty that year too uh, on Baseball America, and it just never. It was just, it was always very teasing. He was the biggest tease of all these prospects, I think, for me. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, you he was the biggest guy in baseball. You thought he was going to come in and just hit massive dingers. He got then- close. He got closer than I think any of these other guys on the list got to actually being an impact 
player for the Padres because he got a lot of shots. He was given a lot of opportunity. I mean, 2010, he started the season as the cleanup hitter behind Adrian Gonzalez. It's too bad. Speaking of, that's a good transition to uh, starting pitcher. So the first guy I thought of was included in this trade uh, that sent Adrian Gonzalez to the Red Sox. And that was the headliner of the deal coming back. This is the first guy on our list that we didn't sign or draft, but traded for as a prospect. It's Casey Kelly. Remember Casey Kelly? I do remember Casey Kelly. Casey Kelly. I was all in on Casey Kelly. He was a first round pick 30th overall by Boston in 2008. Came over to the Padres in that deal for Adrian Gonzalez in 2010. So spent a couple years in Boston was really good. Both of those years and in limited sample sizes, of course, but he's supposed to be a number one guy on the staff. He was that good. Maybe a number two. It's hard to tell when they're that young, if you're going to be a number one or number two or the, the phrases that get thrown around are top of the rotation and then middle rotation or back of the rotation. But he, he could have easily been a number one starting pitcher on this Padres team. And the only chance he really got was in 2012. He came up, pitched six games, um, had a 6.21 ERA, gave up five homers in those six games, which is normal now, but at the time that was a lot of home runs. Got hurt the next year, tried to work his way back, got to the majors again in 2015, another terrible year, and then ended up going to the Cubs and finished his career with the Giants. Um, pitched, pitched for the Giants in major league games in 2018. I didn't know that. He came in. Really? He started three games that year. That's crazy. That is. But uh, for, so the, for the Padres, he was ranked the number one prospect in 2010. He was the number three prospect in 2011. He was the number one prospect again in 2012. In Baseball America, he got all the way up to 24 <laughs> in the country. So he had a lot of prospect pedigree. And if you're top 25, those pitchers are pretty much all considered, you know, barring injury. Pitch, pitching is a crazy thing to try to forecast, but um, we're looking at number one and number two pitchers in the top 25. And for him, he was never good for the Padres. Like the second he got over here, he went to Portland, was pretty bad. Wasn't very good in San Antonio. Um, Just, I don't know what happened to Casey Kelly, but I, I would valued him really highly is a, a, the next starting, the next ace of the staff. And he shit the bed more than anyone else. And the worst part of that was he was the headliner in that Adrian Gonzalez deal. You, you think you're getting some pieces back. Like, I was happy. Oh, Casey Kelly, um, Raymond Fuentes, and I'm blanking on who else was in that deal. But, like, oh, we got some interesting pieces back. And those guys didn't do anything. Got nothing. So that's that's what hurts the most, losing Adrian Gonzalez and then getting absolutely nothing back. Yeah. Do you, do you have a starting pitcher for me? I do. I have Cesar Carrillo. That's a good one. I considered Cesar University of Miami guy, right? Exactly. He was like player of the year, uh, University of Miami. He was the Padres' 18th pick overall in the 2005 draft. A uh, yeah. right-handed pitcher. Um, a lot of hype on this kid coming in. And he literally just did nothing. I was a big Cesar Carrillo guy back in the day. And at the time, before I really knew a lot about prospects, that we were in high school when this happened, but... Yeah, I, I was all in on Cesar Carrillo. I, I guess I wasn't pessimistic enough about our drafts because the Padres never drafted anybody of any value, I think, outside of Khalil Lee, who turned out to be a good player. Not great, but um, 
Yeah, Cesar. I don't know why I gave them the, the benefit of the doubt every year. I, I was really excited about Cesar Carrillo, and yeah, he did. He's another one of these guys that they had a supplemental get... pick that year too. Uh, Cesar Ramos, the Cal State Long Beach pitcher, Ooh, is the thirty fifth pick in the draft. Cesar Ramos sighting, nice. I remember being pretty stoked about him. How bad is it? Like two thousand four was Matt Bush, two thousand five <laughs> was Cesar Carrillo, and then two thousand six Matt Matt Antonelli. Like, come on. 2008 was Alan Dykstra. Who was 2007? Uh, Nick Schmidt. Oh, Nick Schmidt. These are, none of these are good picks. <laughs> you pretty much could have thrown a dart at a board of number one Padres picks and just made your list that way. Yeah. Because they, they were all misses. Um, my next pitcher was another guy that came over via trade. So we're getting a little more creative here. And it was Aaron Pareda who came over in the trade from the Chicago White Sox for Jake Peavy. Okay. I don't remember him at all. He was, I think, the headliner. He was supposed to be the best pitcher coming back in the deal. He was a little younger than the guy who ended up being the most significant piece, which was Clayton Richard. I mean, Richard was okay, but yeah, the number one piece, as you said. Yeah, Richard there. Richard was more of the number two piece, I think, the guy that was closer to the majors. But Aaron Pareda was the White Sox number one prospect at the time. And man, the White Sox got a steal there. Although it's not like PV went to the White Sox and had, you know, the second great career with the White Sox. He didn't do a ton for them. Um, but still losing a guy like Jake PV, who just a couple years removed from being, let's see, this was 2009. He's just a 2007. He was the NL Cy Young award winner in 2009. You're trading into the White Sox for a bunch of shit that didn't do anything. Right. Just losing trades all over the place. Really great at uh, picking guys that don't make the the majors and then also trading for top prospects who somehow bust the second they come over. He was the first round pick in 2007, 25th overall. Uh, had, a, had a decent minor league career. His minor league numbers, he had a 362 ERA. First year in San Diego was, let's see, he, he got a cup of coffee in 2009. Just two innings. And then that was it. He never came back. Went to San Antonio. Was okay. Portland, his numbers were terrible. And then they moved the, the team, um, the PCL team to Tucson. Equally as terrible. Tried to, and, it, and he was gone. They sent him to Pittsburgh. Um, missed a year in 2013. Found his way to Texas. And yeah, he just bounced around. Never put it together. Yeah. So just, a, just a waste of a trade for Jake Peavy. Do you have another pitcher? I do have another pick. This is another throwback to a time before we knew anything about the Padres, and that would be Mike Lentz. He was the number two overall pick in the 74 draft as a pitcher. Got to tell you, I do not know much about Mike Lentz. That is because he was drafted number two overall and never made the majors. Yeah, that, that sounds like a Padres draft pick. Like... If you're a number two overall guy and you're not making the majors, you deserve to be on this list. Yeah, I don't know how you don't just get one chance, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially this long ago when it was pretty common for guys to just go straight to the majors. Right. So he definitely belongs on this list. What did he do in the minors? Um... He was in the minors for four years. He only lasted four years. That's pretty bad. 
He was in Walla Walla in 95. Uh, he was a sod poodle in 90, in 76 and 77. And there were no was, sod poodles, Wade. Whatever they were before in 70, <laughs> 77. Uh, and then he was 98, went back to low A, and then we never heard from him again. How about I counter you with my last starting pitcher, Justin Germano? I remember him. So Justin's another kind of controversial one because he made the majors, was in the majors for several years, had varying degrees of success, but it, yeah, and not a top draft pick. So that's the other thing. So he was a 13th overall or 13th round pick in 2000, um, Claremont, California high school, but McGuire's uh, high school. So the problem with him was he's the guy that was picked a little later that didn't have a ton of expectations. And then going through the minors, like, oh, this guy's pretty good. He was minor league pitcher of the year for the Padres in 2002. Um, and it was pretty good in the minor. Like, didn't walk anybody. Had this reputation for having great command of the strike zone. Um, threw a lot of innings in the minors. And there, I was reading a report on him on uh, DuckSnorts.com, which I don't even know if it's still active. But... They, they wore him out in the minors. So innings pitched 155 innings in 2002, um, 122 innings in 2004. Um, actually, no, way more than that because he was at different levels. So in 2002, actually had closer to 175 innings in the minors. That doesn't happen today. No, it does not. And then 2004, 140 another 175-ish innings in 2004. So they, they kind of blew him out and then made the majors of the Padres. His best year was 2007. So he's 24 years old, pitched or uh, started 23 games, had a 446 ERA in 133 innings. And that was by far his best year. But coming off of, of a 2002 season where he's the best pitcher in the organization, never like a top, top prospect, but was ranked number 13 in the Northwest League. He was this number seven Padres prospect in 2004. He was a good prospect. And when he came up, you thought he was going to be a, a contributor. And he his best year was just an average year. And then that was kind of it. We never saw him again. Yeah. But I, like, I also considered Tim Stoffer for this. But I thought Tim Stoffer was just a little too good. Yeah. I mean, I considered uh, Matt Clement. But he ended up winning like 80 plus games and. Major League Baseball, so couldn't really count him. Mm-hmm. And then another one that came to mind was Corey Lubke, but that's not really fair to him because he got hurt. Yeah, I, I, well, we can do honorable mentions right now. So a couple of those guys that you just mentioned, like Lukey with the injuries. Lukey, I liked Lukey a lot, and it was too bad. Oh, that I he, loved him. Yeah, I was like, he's gonna be ace. Yeah, with the injuries, it's hard to discount or call a guy a bust because of injuries. Right. So in my in my honorable mentions, I also have Anderson Espinoza, who it's it's very early to call him a bust, but he was a top twenty prospect in baseball when we got him from the Red Sox, and he has not pitched. Like he's been just injured every year. So I'm I'm ready to call that a bust. I don't see him coming back ever. Yeah. Um, Xavier Nady, I considered briefly. Oh, he was on my list. He's another guy that. Uh... Went straight to the majors right out of college. Yeah, and didn't have success, and they had to send him back down again. 
He was the 18th player ever to do that. Nice. Wade, Wade's, that's your wheelhouse right now. The, <laughs> the guys who go straight to the majors, what number he was in history. Yeah. Do you know where he went to college? Fullerton? No, he was a Cal Berkeley Bear. Oh, that's right. I should have known that. Um, how about Cedric Hunter? I was looking at the list. I have no idea who that guy is. Cedric was a, he was drafted by the Padres. Um, he's from Georgia, like another third round pick. So not, not a top, top pick, but coming up in the minors, number 10 prospect in the California league, number three prospect in the Arizona league. So those are lower levels. He was the number one Padres prospect at the end of the 2006 season. I've never heard of him. Uh, yeah, well, it looks like he got a, a cup of coffee in 2011 in San Diego and that was it. Major league uh, career, he hit 105 with one home run. So worse than Antonelli. Yeah. I mean, it, a couple others that I'll throw out at you. Uh, yeah, Jabari Flash. Not bad, although he's he's killing it right now in Japan. True. <laughs> uh, Luis Durango. I don't remember Luis Durango. He was like the fastest dude ever. A uh, little like slab hitter. Fastest like, kid alive. Yeah, exactly. And I was super pumped on him. I was like, this kid's going to be unreal. And then he just never did anything. I thought that about Ray Fuentes, who we got from Boston. You remember him? Yeah. He was really, he was like one of those guys. And then I don't know if this is fair to throw him out there, but Corey Spangenberg. <laughs> I was terrified you were going to say Mike Dar. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, too soon, too soon. Uh, Spangenberg's on my list, too. And I also threw out Chase Headley. Was he a number one draft pick? I think he was a second round pick from Tennessee. Okay. And he was a guy kind of like Kyle Blanks who teased you and teased you and was like, okay, but never good enough. And had that one great year where he had 30 home runs. So like the ultimate tease. But then after that, back to nothing. Like he had the, he was a, he had the Brady Anderson season where just, he was okay. Okay. He's great all-star silver slugger and then back to just nothing again. It's yeah. very frustrating. And then I'm, uh, my last guy on the list was, uh, Johnny Manziel. Oh, that's a good one. Major bust. He was a bust. Or although if he wanted to play baseball right now, would you be okay with the Padres inviting him to spring training? A thousand percent. Yes. You could dust <laughs> off your Johnny Manziel Padre shirt. I do unfortunately own one of those and it is still in the closet somewhere. <laughs> you should take that. That's perfect quarantine apparel to wear. The, I mean, when else are you going to wear that? True. <laughs> this no is one else has seen it. So now, now I can wear it. This is the golden age of shitty t-shirts and sweatpants. Like you don't have to dress up for anything. True. Great segue there by me. Speaking of shitty t-shirts, these are not shitty t-shirts. These are t-shirts that you are going to want to wear when the quarantine is over. These are non-quarantine t-shirts and those are true classic tees. So we are very excited about this new sponsor. Style is changing. Formal wear is out and the t-shirt is in. True classic tees are based in LA and they're a t-shirt company on the rise. They're soft. They hold up in the wash. They're versatile. You can wear them out, wear them to work, wear them around the house. Although, like I said, they're so nice. You don't want to wear them just in the house because of the quarantine you get, you gotta, these are dressed to impress. 
The best part is they're incredibly cheap, only $15, and now you can get them for even less. Go to trueclassictees.com, use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for 20% off. That's BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at trueclassictees.com. How about that read, Wade? That was a great transition and read combo. Might be the best you've ever had. I kind of just walked into it, to be honest. It was perfect timing. Uh, last segment before we got here, did you look at the show notes at all? Oh, uh, I just had them up and I just exited. Give me one second here. Yeah, you thought we were done. Last segment of the day was Wade's film room. Interesting. So, Wade, you were, you were, I didn't prepare you on this at all. But uh, you were famously a film minor when you were in college. So I wanted Very to get true. your... I wanted to get your thoughts on what was good out right now to watch. And don't say Tiger King. I mean, Tiger King was very good. but I thought uh, it was very overrated. What have I watched recently? The other night I watched Good Boys. Have you seen that one? Nope. What's Good Boys? It's, uh, on, it's on HBO. On HBO Go. It, oh. I would say it is a middle school super bad. Whoa. It's, that's that's it's, messing with my mind right now. I can't even comprehend what that would be. It's, I mean... These like three 12 year old boys that are best friends and they're like trying to get to a uh, spin the bottle party. Ooh, that sounds seductive. That sounds hot. Yeah. I mean, it's Seth Rogen. So he, you know, doesn't come up with anything new, just changes the age or the gender. So would South Park be the super bad for elementary school? And then this is the super bad for middle school and then super bad is the super bad for high school. Yeah, and then there was also uh, Booksmart that was the super bad for women. Never heard of Booksmart. It's Jonah Hill's sister. <laughs> Jesus. Jonah needs to get back in the, the writing room and come up with something different. Yeah. <laughs> and then what else have I been watching? Uh, now that I'm on my wine delivery, I've been watching Psalm, thinking I can become a sommelier. Psalm. Studying to be a Okay. Those are uh, what uh, what's been going on in my film room lately. I just started watching. Are you are you a zombie guy at all? Not really. Uh, I am a little bit. I dabble in it. I just started watching. Um, I got a free subscription for a, a trial for uh, Netflix this week, so I'm experimenting with Netflix for the first time. You proud you of me? Haven't been on Netflix this whole time. Never. No. There are so many shows you gotta watch. So I just started watching Black Summer, which is a Zombie movie takes place in the U.S. Zombie apocalypse just started. I'm two episodes in. Wait, you have a one-week free trial, and this is what you're going to go with? Well, I watched the first three episodes of Tiger King, was underwhelmed, and I stopped. Oh, that's right, when it gets good. No, it's not a good show. Wow. It glamorizes... You know, t- owning tigers and tiger abuse and all this other shit. And it's it's not that... It's way too long. That's the problem. You if it was three episodes... Have you seen yet? If they condensed it to three episodes, I would have been in. But they, they spend way too much time on other shit that's not necessary. And then the third episode, it was like, and she killed her husband. And then you just stopped. No, I watched the episode, the whole true crime episode about Carol Baskins and her husband. I watched that episode. And then you could just stop right there. That's insane. That was episode four or three? Three. The whole investigation of Carol? Yeah, I watched that and that was it for me. Wow. Um, the other show I'll wreck amend is the platform i brought this up and got little response from it but i I really like the platform it's on netflix it's a movie 
uh, Ryan Rossillo convinced me to watch it. So I trust Rossillo on all things movie. It's a Spanish movie. So turn the, turn the subtitles on. It's, it's basically like a prison thriller movie takes place probably in the near future. Um, really good movie. So I would rec- the whole thing takes place in this kind of weird wonky prison and shit is insane. Um, a little bit of sci-fi, a little bit of thriller, uh, really good. So I recommend that. Okay. I'll check that one out. The platform. Yeah. So, uh, weekly Wade, we're going to, we're going to be checking in with you and see what you're watching. Wade's film room. Okay. Okay. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I'm watching right now since there's not much to do. All right. We'll get out of here on that. So thank you all for listening. As always, please follow the show's Twitter accounts at fire farmhands. And if you enjoy the show, subscribe, we're on all your favorite platforms, still iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, tune in Spotify and iHeart. You can also find us at believe.com and at believe podcasts. Please leave your comments, questions, concerns, and your rating of the show on all platforms. You've been listening to Believe in Padres Prospects on the Believe Podcast Network, San Diego's number one sports podcast network. You were supposed to read that. I've been in the habit of you not being here, so I just blew through it. I'm Ryan. That was Wade. We'll talk to you next week. Toward your destination Though you may find from time to time We're recording, right? I'm like freaking out that we're not getting recorded. I would hope so. We are. You know, you can record as a backup too, right? I have no idea how to do that. You, it's super easy. So in the bottom right-hand corner, you see those three little dots? I mean, let's just move on. It's not going to happen. Spanish Armada. Uh, 1588. That is correct. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.